You could tell lies of that. Good Friday morning. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us on a Friday in downtown Charlottesville. Feels like fall is undoubtedly um, upon us, which makes me quite happy. It's my favorite of all the seasons. We have college football. We have no humidity. We have leaves falling and turning, and it's the... uh, gateway to a season of holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, which are my personal favorite. Judah Wickhauer is our director. Keith Smith's our star. If we could go to Keith Smith now on a two-shot Judah Wickhauer, my friend, good Friday morning to you. And I got to start off with this. What's up with the Christmas stuff at Costco already? It's earlier and earlier every Unbelievable. year. Unbelievable. The it, monetization it, of holidays is what that is. It, it, it was like in August. I rolled in there because, you know, when you get to be an empty nester, you do Costco like every six months. Go, oh, boy, we need toilet paper or whatever. Stuff that you buy every six months that we, you know, very rarely, you know, it takes forever for us to get through. And, and it was a couple of weeks ago I did it. I rolled in and it was all this Christmas stuff. And I turned to Yon and I go, I love Christmas. But I'm starting not to like Christmas because it's starting to get a bit commercialized. But don't know why we kicked off with that. But but anyway, that's that popped into my pee little pee little brain. So what did you think about the planning commission meeting last night? Uh, to be expected. You got half the people on one side of the fence, half the people on the other side of the fence. Um, Deep throat. Are you watching the program? Deep throat. I, I'm going to push back a little bit on that, but I'm going to let you finish finish on that. Let's say. I mean, let me see if Deep Throat's watching. Got it. Deep so Throat. while you're doing that, so I I, uh, I watched the whole four hours. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Missy Missy Chrissy. You know, you know, she ran that meeting pretty amazingly, I thought. And the other thing that popped into my head earlier when I was watching it, the amount of virtual participation. This is probably a positive thing from COVID. Pre-COVID, that would have never happened, right? So there was about fifty in person and about fifty folks to talk talk to that but i I love i love to hear your read on that so about the half that was in favor of it was pretty much in favor of it with very little changes they would just like approve it and move on the opposing side on that which i thought was interesting was half of the half of the opposing side because i kept a record of it um well like no way put it in a box bring it back out in 2040 was which one of the uh speakers said the other half, was they were for it, but they wanted tweaks on it, which I'm not really sure what box they get put in on it, but they weren't against it, but they were okay with it if they made certain changes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. Uh, I'm going to use that fancy word. It was an interesting split because usually it's very polar, right? It's usually yes and no, but the ones that were on the no side had, had uh, I'm okay with it if you make these changes. For what it's worth, that was the feedback that in my brain that, that I put together. On. I got our, uh, one of my favorite UVA econ professors watching the program. We'll get to his comments here in a matter of moments. Viewers and listeners, you th- your thoughts on the planning commission meeting last night. Here's a couple of things that struck me from what I watched, and I watched a fair amount of it as well. Um, 
I very much enjoyed the Charlottesville Squash Open. We have some of the best squash professionals in the world playing at the Boar's Head right now. There you go. For a $30,000 um, purse. Um, so and you're not there? Riveting. Oh, I'm going to be there. No, no, uh, playing. Oh, no, I'm not a squash professional by any means. These are the top, the number one seed is 24 in the world. Wow. Number 24 in the world. Um, here's what some, some things that struck me. I was struck by the uh, UVA students oh, yeah. that participated yesterday. You don't often see University of Virginia students participating in local government. In person, too. In person. They did yesterday. The UVA students who participated yesterday were essentially saying that they were getting priced themselves out of housing in Charlottesville City, um, which, frankly speaking, is a should point directly at the University of Virginia. Well, some of them did. Yeah, if they're, if they're admitting people to the school and they're basically saying these students that on-grounds housing owned by UVA is more expensive than off-grounds housing, we can't afford the on-grounds housing, so we're now going off-grounds, and that's going to cost us between 700 to 1100 a month per bedroom, and we can't afford that. That's UVA needing to fix that scenario. And we've been speaking about this for a while, you know, the actual cost per door, and you heard it live. You heard it from actual students, right? People were paying 750 850 a door room. I mean, I got a, couple buddies, I got a couple buddies on the squash team that are living. Now, they're leaving, living in... This is how the UVA squash team. They're living in very Tony um, apartments on West Main. I believe it's, it's it's the Lark or the Flats now. Yeah, well, it's the Flats, the Lark, and then the Standard. It's you're the you're talking twelve fifty a room. Oh yeah, thirteen hundred a room. Now that's the top of the market, and that's what this these couple of students were saying. It was eight fifty ish, and they're walking twenty minutes, or they're taking twenty minutes to get downtown. The closer you get is between a thousand and twelve hundred dollars a, a door. Yeah, per per bedroom. Correct. That's what, that's what I mean by, by door. So that struck me. Another thing that... And some of them are doubling up. Viewers, right, right. Another thing viewers and listeners need to start realizing this. I was talking about this with Deep Throat um, before the show. Econ professor of UVA, I know I'm not supposed to use your name. Jump in here with some conversation, please. Michael Payne is slowing this process down. Michael Payne is not as emphatic as he was in the beginning of the year or at the end of the year of pushing up zoning through. And it's a strategic maneuver by Michael Payne. Do you know what Michael Payne is doing? Well, I'll let, I, I'll let you tell me your opinion and then I'll jump in. The reason Michael Payne is slowing this down is because he knows Leah Perrier's term ends on December 31st and on January 1, Natalie Oshren replaces Leah Perrier. And Natalie Oshren is going to push up zoning through and it's full form with vigor and momentum. She's so, uh, a huge up zoning proponent. I'm going to finish this. She is going to push this through. So Michael realizes that if he slows this process down and it can somehow get to Q1 of next year for the city council vote, then he has another voter in his pocket that's so going to push you up zoning through and it's full, mo- full momentum. You don't think it's going to come up before the end of the year? Well, I also know this. The mayor, Lloyd Snook, is getting very lukewarm on this entire process. Extremely lukewarm. But Snook needs to get to three. He's one vote. He needs two others to get to three. And he right now is trying to accumulate the political capital 
to dampen up zoning and the draft zoning ordinance. While Michael Payne is slowing this down because he knows the political capital will be in his corner on January 1. And, and that could be very well the case. I, I, I will tell you, um, you know what surprised me the most about last night? It didn't come up for a vote. So, they, so what they did is they listened. And so what will happen procedurally, right? You know this. What happened procedurally, right? They've listened. They've got the public hearing portion of it done. They're going to come back two weeks from now. So one would think they were going to listen to a lot of the changes. That This is the point that the changes can be made to the plan, right, before the, it goes before the city council. So what I hope happens is, you know, there were some really good recommendations that were spoken about there that maybe they'll work their way into the plan on it. I would think what the game plan is, hopefully, is that some of these things that should be done, and, and we'll get to affordable housing here probably a little bit later on that uh, on, in this conversation, and I think it'll be tweaked a little bit because that's generally what happens. Then the planning commission is going to make recommendations to the to the city council. So that's going to happen two weeks from now. I'm confident that that's what's going on behind the scenes on that end of it. They're going to make the changes, and then city uh, planning commission is going to recommend. And then this whole process is going to start all over again because there'll be another public hearing at the city council end of it. I think time-wise. You know, I've, I've always predicted that it'd be probably get done by the end of this year. That's probably not the case. It may be for the reason you're talking about. It also may be for the reason that this is just takes way too long to put together. The swing vote, ladies and gentlemen, the swing vote on this. Neil Williamson, hello. Lonnie Murray, hello. So you think there's a Welcome swing vote on oh, this? Oh, hell yeah, there's a swing vote. You know mm -hmm. who the swing vote is? Yeah, I, 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 I may be I, wrong, but I think... I. So you're, are you thinking there's enough votes right now to, to vote it down? I think the swing vote is Brian Pinkston. I think Leah Perrier does not want to see the draft zoning ordinance pushed through in its full form and its full, um, well, mom full momentum. Yeah, so the version I think Lloyd Snook. I think Lloyd Snook clearly does not want this. I've had conversations with Lloyd. He's come on the show. He's 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 yeah. he's literally said, I'm concerned about commercial and residential. Um, Leah Perrier is obviously concerned yeah. about commercial and residential. Juan Diego Wade is going to go the effort of go the way of, of, of upzoning. Michael Payne is going to go the way of the upzoning. Brian Pinkston is the swing vote here. I, don't, I disagree with that. I, I, I think what is going to happen is it's going to get tweaked. Everything you just talked about, it's going to get tweaked enough that there will be at least three votes. The question is, is when and who? But I'm confident because I know the way the process works is now it can be tweaked. It could not be tweaked prior to this public hearing. It couldn't be. You know that. We discussed that. It couldn't be changed. We talked about that, yeah. It couldn't be changed without having going through the whole re-advertisement process and all that stuff. So now the 100 people have spoken. Which is really awesome, right? Just think about this. I don't think this vote is going to happen. Before the end of the year. I don't think this vote's going to happen in 2023. Look well, at Michael be, Payne. I Michael mean, Payne went from hardcore pushing this vote to happen. Now Michael Payne is getting quiet and silent and slowing this down. Because he knows Natalie Austrian starts January 1. So we have... Leah Perrier comes off. Leah Perrier's not in favor of this in its full form. We have two and a half months. 
Before the end of the year. You want to make a bet on this one? You think that this vote is going to happen. City council is going to vote yay or nay before 2023. I think so, yeah. I won't bet my mustache on that one because the, the one with Neil, I knew I was going to win. This one is 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 razor razor thin, but I'll I'll take. I them. mean, Keith, they have they have two and a half months. They have a council meeting on. They have two and a half months. They have three council meetings. They have two and a half months, so it depends on how well that was the public was heard because the same comments are going to be spoken about at the, at the city council, right? The same, the people for it are going to be for it. The people against are going to be against it and they're going to be against it for the reasons. So if, if the planning commission has heard enough of the negative sides that the folks that are against it and need to improve it, keep in mind, these, these, there's three buckets. Now there's one really big bucket for it public wise. Then there's the against it. That's kind of split in half a little bit. Right? It's definitely hell no, and then some people, yes, if you fix certain items. So there's a certain portion of that that, yes, if you fix up certain items, now, will they ever be able to fix them? It's not as factory, you know, so forth and so on. It's a different, situ- a different, different question. But um, I, I think... UVA econ professor does not see this happening. By the end of the day, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to take a better box. Neil, Neil Williamson's got a comment here. Uh, the Charlottesville zoning ordinance may be changed enough after the city council public hearing that the lawyers may require a second council public hearing. Yeah. That's literally what the econ professor is putting on the feed as, as well. He goes, they've changed this too much that another public hearing needs to happen again by the letter of the law or they risk massive exposure from a lawsuit. That's the econ professor. Williamson is echoing what the econ professor So what professor they're saying, saying, just to clarify this for folks. What they're so I'll sa- take that back. They're saying... They're saying that enough of it's going to change. So either one or two things are going to happen, right, is what they're saying. Either as it is right now, it's just going to run through, right? They're not going to make any changes, right, and run it through. I don't think that's going to be the case. So what the econ professor is saying and Neil is saying, if they change it substantially. Woody Fitchum also thinks that the public input is essential. and that that's So Woody, you're saying you don't think this is going to happen in 2023. So let's talk about that. So we've got. Two weeks is the planning commission. So if it gets approved... Michael Payne does not want this to happen in 2023. Michael Payne wants the political capital... It's, raised, it's, ra- it's razor thin. Just for the fun of a show, I'll take the bet. I will not bet my mustache on this one. But I'll bet you a bottle of bourbon. Let's bottle, say, we'll so bet a bottle what of day, bourbon what's the, what's the day of the last? Well, all you have to do is say December... All you have to say is 2023. No, what, I'm just, you're looking at the agenda. When's the I mean, last? it's the first Monday of every month. City council meetings. Well, there's two in, there's two a month. Let's see. It's the... So the last meeting in December is probably just before Christmas. We'll bet a bottle of bourbon? Yeah. I'm probably going to lose it because I usually do, but... Neil Williamson, when do you think the vote will happen? Except for that one. I won that one. Which one was that? Oh, with, with Neil? Neil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you won That wasn't Neil. even fair. There was no um, way I knew that. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It really depends on how much they change it. Viewers and listeners, what do you think? Bill McChesney, what do you think? Lonnie Murray, what do you think? What do you think, Tim Carson? Tim Carson's going to join us on Real Talk with Keith Smith this coming Wednesday. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Vice President of Real Estate 3, Trevor Daniel, hello. Heather Walker, hello. Um, Carol Thorpe, hello. Carol Thorpe, you got some props in the New York Post today. Carol Thorpe. Vanessa Parkhill, the Queen of Earliesville, hello. Johnny Ornalis, Bob Yarborough. Scott... Thorpe, the commercial broker, hello. 
What do you guys think? Jeremy Rowe, Jason Howard, Catherine Lochner, Taylor Sutton, Tiger Fuel's finest. Hello. What do you guys think? Do you think this vote will happen in 2023 or in 2024, upzoning in the draft zoning ordinance? Yeah, I, I, it's going to be raised at then, but we shall see. I'll tell you if it was a contested election, which it's not, um, uh, it would, I would definitely not take that bet. But it is not no, a contested No elections are contested in Charlottesville City outside of who's running for the Democratic Party. That's exactly right. So once that, once that Democratic Party ticket is set, that's it. We're done. Whoever we've got in front of us is going to. So we're not going to go through a crazy election season where this topic is on you know, the ballot or is on the uh, discussion amongst debate. I don't know. It's going to be raised it then. I might lose it. But for the sake of a talk show, I will take that bet. Um, Plus we're light on bourbon anyway. I think if the vote does happen in 2023, ladies and gentlemen, your swing vote is Brian Pinkston. Per year and Snook are obviously getting lukewarm on all this tomfoolery and these shenanigans that we call the draft zoning ordinance. Michael Payne and Juan Diego Wade, certainly Michael Payne, are in favor of the draft zoning ordinance and upzoning. And I would imagine Juan Diego Wade as well. So what do you call a tomfoolery? I don't think I've ever asked you that question. I mean, this, is a, this entire thing has been a circus. It's never been done before. This is I mean, a pretty it's a, unique. This is a circus. This is a pretty unique. How thing. this has been executed is, is, is a circus. Hmm. You have signs all over Charlottesville talking about upzoning and the draft zoning ordinance. People, yay or nay. We have. Did you expect something otherwise? We have legitimately streets in Charlottesville. There are streets in Charlottesville. Three additional streets, I've been told, are creating their own HOAs. Like a street in Charlottesville, yeah. homeowners are pulling together, pulling resources to create covenants and restrictions and an owner's association for their streets. And that's probably in neighborhoods that can afford to do that. And you pull your resources, you get 10 or 12 houses, you yeah. can do that. And what's the downside to that? I don't see any downside at there all. There is a downside to that. And the downside to that is now, you, now you're restricted in what you can sell at that point. So if your life circumstances change and you need to sell it, you know. It, I don't see any restrictions with how you sell if your house is well, no, protected fact, from fa- density. Well, the, it's the fact if anything, that, it, that would be appealing to me if I would look to buy. It, it depends, right? If, so, so I don't want it a commercial building or an apartment next to my house. Well, well depe- you could go to these streets and buy these houses. Well, it depends on where those streets are in relationship to where the apartments are going to be built or not going to be built in relationship to the flum. So if they're in streets that, that are going to be in the CX3 or CX8 or 5 or anything like that, maybe. But, you know, it's, it's a... You know, I, would enc- I would encourage any of the viewers and listeners that are watching this program that if you don't want to see density happen in your neighborhood, create, pull your resources and create an HOA. And I will push back on that and better talk to an attorney before you do that. Yeah, because talk to an the, re- the reality of that, it's a, co- it's a restriction. So you are putting a covenant and a restriction on your piece of property. So it's really not an HOA. It's what it's doing. Covenant restrictions. It's covenants and restrictions yeah. on your piece of property. And the only way covenants and restrictions can get ever changed is the person or the entity that originally put them on. So what happens if you die and all of a sudden you're 
and folks inherit it, it becomes a problem on how they want to sell. It could become a problem on how they want to sell. Well, they basically it's much protect simil- themselves from having an apartment next to them. It's much similar to why the um, 55 and over restrictions were not very successful or are not very successful because it puts these deed restrictions on them that when life happens well, the inevitable happens, it becomes an issue with the particularly, because you can't have anybody own it over the age of 19 and so forth and so forth and so on. I mean, that would be the easiest way if you want, if you don't want density on your street. It'll solve it. That's how you do it. Yeah, it will solve it. But as one who does this for a living, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Make sure you go ahead and, and pick up phone, call people like Valerie Long and folks that are experts in this, just to make sure you know what you're doing before you do it, because it, it, it's a called restriction for a reason. And Deep, it, Deep Throat watching the program, he said, and, and Deep Throat created covenants and restrictions on history. Yeah, good for him. And he said, the covenant thing is suddenly heating up as well. I have three Zooms for people trying to do it on their blocks as well. Yeah, and, and it's just, as somebody who cautions folks for a living. You have to caution folks. If you're going to do that, they're forever. They're very difficult to unwind. So my advice to do that, actually, is not to do it as a block of streets, right? So if you were to create an HOA, right, and an HOA of 20 lots, 20 homes, then there's, there's HOA rules you've got to follow. They're set up by by the state. So there has to be a board. It has to be a separate corporation, right? The board is what controls it. The smarter way to do it, the path forward to it, if you really don't want to do that, just do a coverage and restrictions on your own individual lot. That's not creating an HOA. Jerry, Keith owns a piece no, no, of... No, but the reason you would do this is because you don't want it next door to you. So you want to galvanize the homes around your house so, to so prevent let, the let, density let me finish. from happening. Don't create an HOA, but get 20 people on the yeah, same block, all to do 20 separate... There's a, diff- there's a huge yeah. difference, Jerry. There's yeah. a huge difference between an HOA and 20 people getting together. And doing covenants and restrictions. Covenants and restrictions. It's yeah. very two different things. Yeah. It's like that's why you couldn't remove this crazy board member from Lake Monticello because the covenants and restrictions for the HOA said you have to have 50% of all the lot owners plus one vote to remove it. So there's all... I mean, that's why with this building, you have to have 80% owner approval to get anything significantly done in the Macklin building. So, so if one person owns over 20%. There you go. So I get it. So let's just, let's be careful. If you get a bunch of people together on a block and everybody does their own separate covenants and restrictions, that is an absolute path forward. And the reason why is because if one individual, now they have to all be somehow interconnected, which a lawyer's got to figure out. But if one individual wants to sell or wants to remove it or has to remove it for whatever reason, they have the right to do that. HOAs, HOAs have more ability to control what happens than local governments do. Very slippery slope, and you need to understand them. Um, but if you get a, 20 people together and everybody does their own covers and restrictions, they're all saying the you same keep thing. keep density from happening. That, that is absolute. That's the best path, ladies if, and gentlemen, to keep density from happening if, in your neighborhood. If you want on your block to do that, 
then you put a bunch of people together and you go ahead and do that. And even if it's two or three people, that's two or three people that does it. The other way to do it is sell it for an exorbitant price and nobody's going to come in and buy it because the math is never, never going never gonna to work. But, yeah, that, but it's, I would caution anybody to do HOAs, which they're allowed to do, by the way. You oh, can yeah. do that. But I would stay away from an HOA um, because the board then controls what happens and depends how the covers and restrictions are written and stuff like that. Johnny Ornalis, good morning. Johnny, hey, Johnny. Ornalis thinks it's going to push through this year. Kevin Yancey says not a chance. It's going to happen this year. Yeah. Uh, Bill McChesney, your thoughts on if the upzoning will be approved this year? Neil Williamson does not see that happening. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 from, a, from a procedural perspective, they all may be right. From a procedural perspective, I think maybe the clock is already wound down for this year. It depends on how... Woody Fincham says next year yeah. this will happen. Well, I'll, I'll have to have Woody tell me what the right bourbon is to buy. I mean, anything on the top shelf is good for me. <laughs> there you go. But the... Uh, <laughs> Judah giggle on that one? <laughs> I mean, Judah, Judah gets the spoils of the bet winning either way. There you go. Whether Keith wins or I win, Judah's getting uh, the spirit either way. What'd you say, Judah? Most likely. Yeah. So the, the, well, sh- we shall see. You know, I, I, I wanted to kind of kick the show off with a little bit of that. I think it's timely. Um, and we we'll shall see. I, I, I think the system is working. And we'll see how it goes. But it was... Uh... One of the things that really stood out to me that I found almost an indictment and or... Yeah, I'll use the word indictment. That UVA students are now chiming in in person at local government saying they cannot afford to live in Charlottesville. So, and they go to school here. And a question for Neil is, because he goes to every meeting... I don't know if I've ever seen that before. You That's... see like one student or something like that. But there was a... a... Now, if... If they were organized or not, it's a different story, uh, how they were put together to come there. But it was, it was interesting, interesting to see that. I actually nudged Yona, who was watching it with me. And it was good to see students being active, right, in, in their community. I, I think that's a good thing. The econ professor watching now, the UVA econ professor, he says, I was very impressed with the students standing up for something they believe in. Yeah. This is my first time, and I'm a tenured professor, that I've seen students participate with that vigor yeah. at a local government meeting. And he also says, students who cannot afford to live in the town where they were admitted to school is certainly a very concerning proposition. Yeah, so, the, so I was actually asked last week at the CEO conference um, that is UVA ever going to put second years on campus? On and grounds. On grounds, thank you. So, uh, you know, but to your point, even on grounds is costing almost as much as off grounds, right? Well, I mean, I, I, was, I was taken aback that on-grounds housing is now more costly than off-grounds housing. Um, you know, it's been some time since I was a student at the University of Virginia. My second year, I lived in Lambeth Commons, which is on-grounds housing. My third year and fourth year, I lived in Phi Kappa Psi, the fraternity house, um, the, the iconic one uh, right behind the Mad Bull. Fraternity house, the, the cost of housing in the fraternity house was super cheap. Now, granted, our living conditions were downright deplorable. <laughs> um, Lambeth 
Um, Deep Throat says Lambeth is now 8000 a year. Dude, this guy is so effing smart. 8000 a year, and students are in school what? Uh, who knows? How many, how many months of school? I know that much. Um, probably like 10 months a year. Uh, it's less than, it's got to be less than that. Between and you get there the in breaks? August, you leave in May. I think it's closer to eight, but August, 10? August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, 10 months. Now you don't start on August one and you don't leave at the end of May. And then you got little breaks in between, but you're paying rent for that much. Ten, yeah. So you're talking $800 a month. There you go. Um, with eight, other people. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. You know, 800 a month for Lambeth. Um, I got legitimately friends that are on the UVA squash team that are paying 1250 a month to live on West Main Street and those apartment towers. And that's about 2000 of them. For a bedroom. Um, you know, we should, we should really ask the University of Virginia why students are being admitted to school that are saying they can't afford to live here. I would see, it seems to me the University of Virginia needs to build more on-ground housing. The University of Virginia has this massive multi-million endowment. I mean, we're talking 10, 12, 14 million, 14 billion with a B. Aren't they like endowment. one of the wealthiest from endowment of public schools? I know, like Harvard's more and all this stuff, but of public schools, I think they're way up there as far as endowment. They're, they're, they're certainly up there. Yeah. I'm curious, Deep Throat, do you think But the, do, you think, do you think if they put all second years on campus that that's going to change the lack of inventory? If all second years are on grounds, I think the, uh, that will open up inventory uh, in Charlottesville. So what, what is that? What is that, about 2,500? I can give you the exact number. 2,500 kids, 3,000 kids, something like that. UVA undergraduate. Well, I know the incoming is, is in, the, in the twos. It, it'll, it'll relieve it a little bit. I just think what will happen is the, the eight, the one. Uh, 17,299, the undergraduate population in the fall of 2021. So why don't we use that number? And 17,299 divided by four. Is four thousand three hundred twenty-four students. If you require, then you've got the then you've got the masters and the doctor. Yeah, that's just undergraduate. But if you force second years or require is a better word, if you require second years to live on grounds, that opens up four thousand three hundred twenty-four bedrooms. There you go. That's a lot. Yeah. So divide that by three is basically a single you know three-bedroom home. Most of them are way more than three folks and in a single-family detached house they're probably closer to five or something like that so you would take that number and divide it by three to five and that'll give you you know the opening of it but what'll happen jerry is the 850 person that is walking 20 minutes to get in there they're just going to come closer right i mean and, and and if you're walking 20 minutes to get to class and you're complaining about it suck it up I don't think they leave were a little bit earlier. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they were complaining about the time. I, think I walked they were, twenty minutes to class. I, uh, I walked twenty minutes to work. I walked from Lambeth four fifty six four to Ruby Tuesdays in Barracks Row, which is now Chop Salad. When it was raining, when it was cold, to pay my way through school uphill both ways. Right? Suck it up. Yeah, yeah. If you have to walk twenty minutes to class, so I don't think that's what they. Who? I don't think the twenty minutes they were talking about. I think it was this, the eight fifty end of it, right? But. Look, in the grand I, scheme of things, eight fifty for a bedroom? Is that really that expensive? 
I don't know. It's been a while since I paid for somebody to go to college. So, uh, you know, we were paying in JMU about 450 400 something like that, a bedroom. But, you know, that was, oh, my God, I don't know when Yvonne graduated. That was probably five or six years ago, maybe more than that. On that I mean, uh, take, uh, an off, take um, an apartment, take a rental, take my rental at the Villas. It's $2,000 a month. It's three bedrooms. You're talking less than $700 a room right there. Um, he says that UT, University of Texas, and the University of Cal system have larger endowments than UVA. There you go. University you. of Michigan is larger than UVA's endowment, he says. Um, but it's up there, though. He says total rental inventory in Charlottesville City is eleven to 12,000 units, which, is tran- which translates to 24,000 beds. And he says if UVA forces second years to live on grounds and it frees up 4,000 beds, that's a huge impact. Um, I, you know, I think we should basically be saying, UVA, you need to build on-grounds housing. Do you think build- that's going to happen? You know, I, I've been in this town for 23 years, and I think anything is possible. Sure. And I think the only way that the University of Virginia is going to build on-grounds housing or the only way that the University of Virginia is going to do a payment in lieu of taxes um, program is through the pressure of the populace. Yeah, I agree. Michael Payne does not have the influence of the populace. No. The wealthiest people in this community do not have the influence of the populace. I have the influence of the populace. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, even with that, I don't see that happening. I really don't. I I may be wrong. I don't see that... um, that UVA will, will do that. I, you know, look, I, I know this from the inside because I'm on the, uh, I was anyway, I got, they, which is a whole different thing. I don't know how you do a incentive to bring 1,500 affordable housing units to our area and, and disband the community engagement team, which I was part of. So let's say, let me say that again. They've disbanded the community engagement team. And I've told folks at UVA, there is a couple of things that they are constantly missing. One is trust. One is transparency. They mistrust and they miss transparency amongst the, amongst the public. But they went ahead and allocated these two projects out, two of them, and all of a sudden disbanded the community engagement team. What would you be doing, Jerry, if you were trying to build 1,500 units? You'd be doing community engagement. I mean, when, it, when it's all said and done, I think UVA's mindset is this. UVA's mindset is expand enrollment, charge incrementally higher tuition every year, find additional profit centers every year, purchase as much real estate in Charlottesville and Almaro County as we can, especially if it fits our vision for expansion. They run the university like a business. Deepen our endowment coffers whenever we can. I will, it's run like a business. I will tell you this because I've, I'm in, I was in some of the, the rooms and, and have some folks on uh, regional housing partnerships. I'm with, and I also, I've said this publicly and I'll continue to say it. The most corporate entity in our region is UVA. That thing is run like a Fortune 500 corporation it's just very top heavy it's it's it just runs that way and anything that is to be done that doesn't fit into the playbook 
that they have in there, it gets discounted very, very quickly, which is a very corporate, corporate structure. Um, and that's why I keep on, you know, and maybe, maybe they dissolved the community engagement thing because I was saying this too much. But you got to fix your trust with the community and you got to fix your transparency with the community. Um, are they going to do that or not? It's a different story. I don't think, I don't, you know, maybe, I don't think they care. I don't think they care. I think they're so, and I've seen it, I think they're so entrenched in the corporate culture of UVA, there's this huge corporate culture of UVA that it just doesn't, it's like a freaking, it's like that uh, aircraft carrier that's on full steam and all of a sudden goes to neutral on it. It just keeps on going and going and going. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe the good professor. Um, he's watching, he's got comments. We'll push back on that a little bit, but I just think the co corporate culture of UVA is, is such um, that change is very slow, if at all. Lisa Costello says, very interesting about placing covenants and restrictions on property. I did not know that was possible. You can Great do that. discussion here. Jason Howard let, on Rio Road. Before you go in that, one, one little thing to note. You can't put covenants and restrictions on property without approval of your lender. Your lender has to approve it because they've got the first deed of trust. So if you, know, if you own it outright cash, that's a completely different story. But if you owe a lender on that, if you have a first deed of trust on that, the, the lender is going to have to agree to that. So that's a little point of notice out there. They just can't blanketly do it without approval from the lender. Um, Dan Pettit, Mustache Dan Pettit, is asking someone from the UVA Foundation to come on the show. We've tried. Uh, so if, I'm working on Fred, so we'll see how it goes. Um, Deep Throat says you can actually agree without a lender's permission, but the lender could object to it later. So you can actually do covenants and restrictions without a lender's approval, but they may object to it later. But the I, likelihood of that objection happening if your mortgage is paid on time is slim to none. I strongly disagree with that. So we will bring in uh, a real estate attorney to tell us that you you are materially affecting their and maybe Woody's got a better read on this. You're materially affecting um, their their asset, property, their, their the collateral. Yeah, the, the, that asset belongs to the bank, not to you, until it's paid in full. So there's a first deed of trust, and I would encourage you to just simply read your loan documents if you've got the. <laughs> it's a little boring, but generally, uh, you are not supposed to be changing anything without the approval of the lender. Do we think, viewers and listeners, that the draft zoning ordinance will be approved by council in 2023? Uh, Jason Howard says, once the rezoning goes through, do you see any new housing with a price tag less than 2000 per month for rent? With how expensive it is to buy land and build and the accelerating values of land under rezoning, I'd say you aren't even going to see new one-bedrooms under 2,000 in the city. No. I think 2,000 is, 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 might even be on the low end. Yeah. So, so that was, as I said earlier, the affordable housing, and everybody who watches the show know I'm an advocate of affordable housing and, and housing. Uh, but the reality of it is if this gets approved, if I'm right and it gets approved by January 1, the impact on housing is going to be very slow. Woody Fincham, the appraiser, says lenders will not allow you to do anything to lessen their position or leverage, yeah. which is what Keith is saying. Yeah. He 
He also says they do review uh, the CCRs and will want to see new ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, this uh, I've just done enough of them to know, and I've developed enough to know that CC covenants and restrictions are very important to everything in the chain of a sale. That's the reason why you need to really make sure you talk to an attorney to understand what you're doing on it, particularly a real estate attorney. One of our fine sponsors, Bill Tucker. Bill Tucker's excellent, one of the uh, best of the best. But make sure that you understand what, what you get yourself into. If it's cash, it's a non-issue. You can easily do it. You are in complete control. Your deed has been com your de first deed of trust. It's called first deed of trust for a reason. Um, uh, and that first deed of trust is removed, and you can do whatever your heart desires for it. Um, Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, says this. Love when you watch the program, Bill McChesney. Uh, ask the people, um, where's your comment? Do we think the city will go back and do some of the legal requirements that were pointed out that had not been done yet, that people kept pointing out last night? If so, then he sees the approval not happening this year. So I'm trying to figure out what the legal requires. Bill, if you can chime in on what they, what they were. And he watched that one start to finish. Yeah, Bill, let us know specifically I, yeah, what you're referencing. I watched it start to finish on it also, um, but I was trying to take notes and so forth and so on. I may have missed that. So if you could chime in and let us know what the legal requirements are that they missed. It doesn't feel like they've missed anything, but that doesn't mean I, I may have missed something that was was obvious on that. Uh, Neil would know if, if they've missed any legal. Uh, Bill says he felt that um, the folks that were homeowners were, t were attacked and that dog whistles will were used against them. Yeah, I, I, that was unfortunate. I, 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 I wish we would have been a little bit more... Um, Deep Throat says the legal requirement is transportation impact analysis, which is required on the, under the comprehensive plan statue in Virginia. He watched it from start to finish. Yeah, but, the, but he said the city lied to VDOT to get approval, but did not disclose any change in land use. Yeah, but does VDOT have a, have a say in this? The roads are not owned by VDOT. The roads are owned by the city uh, of Charlottesville. VDOT, I don't think... Has a has a, a Bill McChesney also is saying the VDOT requirements. Yeah, I don't. I, again, I, I would live. I could I couldn't say it, and I may be wrong, and I have to dig dig into it a little bit. But I can tell you the few construction projects and small development projects I've done through the land trust in the city of Charlottesville. We never got VDOT approval. We only got uh, the city transportation approval. So I may be wrong. I don't know if VDOT even has to weigh into it. Now I know. Like for Albemarle County or Greene County, their comprehensive plans have to have VDOT buying it or, or VDOT has to review them at least. I don't know if they get anything more than just a review. Uh, multiple people. And I may be wrong, though. VDOT, um, VDOT has some roads in the city, but the standard is, standard is impact on any VDOT road. Clearly, there will be impact on VDOT roads. The problem is that VDOT doesn't have obvious ways to force city to comply. Yeah. Woody Fincham says traffic flow and count matter to VDOT. Yep. Bill I just, I just don't says, know if VDOT. Bill McChesney says Route 20 is a state route through Charlottesville. But does not, does not, not, again, I don't know. So he would know. Um, who is that, Bill? Uh, Bill, Woody, 
and yeah. Deep Throat and the econ professor are all chiming in on this. Got it. I may be wrong then. So if but that the question, is the question, the question is though, is it just a notification or do they have to weigh in on it? But you know, again, this is if if it's truly the case, if it's truly that they, then this won't happen in 2023. If no, it's even worse than that. If there was a notification or a process that they failed to do, you know what they just did. You know what just happened. Tell us. They just opened themselves to a huge lawsuit. Oh. So if they, if, if so, if that is truly, and we're just, we're just, we really don't know if that's a requirement, a require requirement or not, right? We really need to get somebody who really know, understands the the ordinance. Well, on this our, guy. The, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that, but that's this is not what he does for a living. So you will. Need, he's just an econ professor. Well, no. with all due respect, but um, but that's you. Know what I'm talking about here. Okay, got it. So, um, oh, that's deep throat. But in any event, um, we just need to find out, right? If they really crossed the line, if they really did, and that could happen. Here's my problem with that. If that happened, then how many years has this thing been going on? This this comment. Um, the problem is that VDOT doesn't have obvious ways to force the city to comply. The standard is an impact of 5,000 daily trips on VDOT, a controlled route. VDOT will weigh in. If they say this does not work, then VDOT refers it to the Commonwealth Transportation Board. Yep. But a lawsuit is hard. Not clear citizens have, have the standing. That's the issue. Well, as a rule of thumb... Uh, it's very difficult to win these lawsuits from, from a citizen's perspective. But it does tie the city up it'll, and slow policy. It'll, it'll tie the city up with slow policy. This is all going to, by the way, if this all gets approved, this is going to be slow roll anyway. You know, and, and I think that's the, the, you know, the thing is if anybody really thinks that this is going to improve or, or density is going to pop up overnight, it's not. It is clearly an initial thing unless they make some serious changes to it. Um, it's not going to really improve affordable housing too much. That was abundantly clear last night. That's my my interpretation of the reading. Now, it does give opportunities for, for like the land trust, if it gets approved this way, for the land trust, a PHA or Habitat, who are also developers, to go ahead and develop, right? And, and there are boxes to check for affordability. If you are affordable, you get certain height, bonus density, so forth and so on. But we, we shall see, right? Um, but I, I'll research the, I, I will, because I'll, I'll ask um, civil engineers that I work with, because they understand this better than anybody, you know, what is the actual requirement for that? I will ask um, Valerie Long, who does this for a living, run the legal end of it, and find out, have they crossed any legal lines? And if they have, then I've definitively lost this bet. Um, if they haven't, then it's a political decision. Um, multiple people have put this in the feed. I'm seeing this on eight different pages. That the only thing that will create immediate housing is phase three Chris Henry dairy market development. And that will be affordable. That's definitely not going to be affordable. But it will create more housing stock, which will have a trickle-down impact. Well, that was an interesting comment on some folks. That Actually, some folks were actually that were opposing that were, were saying... Uh, excuse me, no, that we're for it, we're saying that if, you know, I think one guy said something about more luxury housing, which I found I, I didn't, you know, I, I thought that was um, uh, not an odd statement, but uh, unique to hear on that end of it. But we shall see, you know, um, 
<coughs> even if it gets approved, this is going to take forever to move forward. Years and years and years uh, to have some sort of, of substantial impact. It's feeds on fire right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason Howard, one thing about the homeowners being paid as NIMBYs or worse, at least they're being honest and voicing their concerns about congestion or values or quality of life. No pro upzoning individual or developer is going to stand up and say they want more development. And to them, that's worth some people getting pushed out and with the lack of parking requirements, others' quality of life and community being affected by hundreds of new cars having to find a place to park now on the existing homeowner streets. I think I would have preferred them to use different words, right? Words matter. And NIMBY has, has a, become a negative stereotype to it. So I think they should have used different words. But, you know, as somebody who's got up on a lectern before and speak, you kind of get caught up in the heat of the moment. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I think overall, big picture, uh, I was thinking that watching it. Can you imagine if this would have happened under a previous mayor's oversight? You're saying to Kyle Walker? That would have been a kind of a show one heck of a show. So comparing it to that, I think it went pretty well. Um, I would have liked to, you know, the whistles and stuff like that. Uh, if I was on the dais, I would have cleared those folks out, frankly. There's no place for that kind of stuff. Let's have a debate. Let's have an honest. It's what we're doing right now, Jerry, you and I. We, we love each other. We respect each other. We might be, see different, be on different sides of the coin on this. But that doesn't change how I feel about you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, some of these people that blow whistles and use words to that, that's just really bad. Like, you know, I just, let's all kind of get along, guys. And, you know, this is. I don't it. take those folks seriously. <clears throat> um, this is from a. Uh, I've also seen it on the opposite side, right? <clears throat> this is from an off the, this is off the record, or it's on the record. It's from a government official. That wants it off, that wants it on the record without using their name. Got it. Anonymous, anonymously, please hear for me, Jerry. This is not Deep Throat. This is not Deep Throat. <coughs> this is not the um, UVA econ professor. This is a government official. Which jurisdiction? Could you mention the very different direction Almoro is going with based, going based on the last Board of Supervisors meeting? For example, Albemarle County made it clear natural resources are a priority and they are not interested in expanding the growth area at all. Oh, man. I think this is the contrast of the city. The contrast between the city and Albemarle County is very, very interesting. Did you hear how that came up multiple times yesterday about growing the footprint of the city and growing the footprint of the 5% on it, uh, which... You and I both know that likelihood of that happening is, is minimal. Well, I mean, the last board supervisor's meeting gets clear that's not going to happen. Yeah, and they made it clear on this show numerous times that that's not going to happen. So that's all that's going to do is just keep that rubber band and just get tighter and tighter and tighter on that. So the question is, do we think Albemarle County is going to do anything different than the city of Charlottesville? Is that the question? No, he's saying the dichotomy with... Albemarle County and the city of Charlottesville is tangible and palpable. The city is trying to create density. 
where the Almaro County jurisdiction is trying to do the absolute opposite of density. Yeah, they're also trying to come up with a developer incentive program to try to help help grow their their particular growth areas. Uh, that that um, there is a and yours truly is moderating that. There is a uh, work session between the planning commission. So this staff member probably either knows about it or um, uh, please keep an eye on it. But there's going to be a work session between the planning commission and the board of supervisors. I think in October they're trying to get everybody's calendars lined up and yours truly's calendar lined up to sit around and talk about that. So I think there's a, you know, there's always this conversation about, well, what are we going to do about affordable housing, right? And that came up quite a bit yesterday. And there was one gentleman that called in, and I believe he was on the nay side of things, but he said a few things that made a ton, ton of sense. The only way affordable housing is ever going to happen is you've got to have the zoning to allow to do that. This is, may or may not be what we're talking about right now. The second thing you have to do is you have to have ready, willing, and able sellers of land or of property to go ahead and do that. And the last thing that you need is a freaking ton of money. And all those first two things could possibly happen. That third thing is a way off. So we just did on the land trust, a bunch of projects in last year in, in Almore County. They were, they were townhomes. We sold them. We had Denise Remy on talking about it. Remy talking about it. Denise about her, Remy. Thank you. Her son that we helped move in at 215 today. That number is probably less than 200 with the interest rates. The delta between that and what it costs is another 150 grand. So if you're trying to move folks in at 60% AMI or 50% AMI or anything like that, you you need to bring one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars to the table on top of what that particular buyer can afford at today's interest rates on an ownership environment. And where's that money going to come from, Coach? It, it, it isn't. That, that's just way too much money. You know, the government's not going to do it. The private sector, I, I you know, I don't see that happening. So the reality of everything is this last, this third elephant in the room is capital and cash. You can have all the zoning say you can do this. You can have all that stuff. I'll, I'll, um, I'll shut up now because you definitely got stuff to talk about. I uh, believe Donna Price watching the program hey, right Donna, now. How are you doing? Uh, Chairwoman Price, you are beloved on this network. Very much so. Love your confidence, your charisma. You're a cool, cool, cool cat. Uh, I believe the mayor is watching the program right now. Hey, Lloyd. Uh, mayor Snook, I really appreciate you, sir, and enjoy running into you. Um, the feed is on fire. I think the dichotomy is clear with what Albemarle County is trying to do when it comes to housing, which is not expand the growth area, and what the city of Charlottesville is trying to do with housing, which is potentially create more housing density. And those two create a housing contradiction. As the city of Charlottesville tries to fit and jam density into 10.2 square miles, while at the same time, Albemarle County is trying to limit density, it's going to drive values considerably for Albemarle County homeowners. It's going to drive values for the city of Charlottesville. The city of Charlottesville. Ah. Oh, yeah. 
I am less bullish on. Uh, so it'll do it on the short Charlottesville term. Charlottesville values. It'll do it on the short term. Less bullish on Charlottesville values. Well, it'll we'll we'll find out, right? Obviously, because as long as you will have me, and as long as people will listen to what we do here on Real Talk with Keith Smith, I will keep on providing data. Uh, we can probably get to uh, Green County's data here in a little while if we've got time. If not, uh, oh, it's 11.15. We probably won't. We'll save this for Monday. Uh, but, you know, everything right now is tracking. Unless something unforeseen happens, values are just going to continue to go, to go up. They're just not going to go up in huge double-digit numbers, but they're going to continue to continue to go up. And I see that, you know, there will be a uptick in value, I mean the, the the project we talked about on on Elliott Avenue, right? That that was that was a pretty stiff purchase price, and it's uh, it's going to close here in a little while. When it does, then I have permission to talk about the specific details uh, from the owner, Seth Batten, from the owner and the agent on that, and who the actual buyer is and the buyer profile of it, which I think we'll all be surprised about that. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't see value. Just the the lack of inventory is just so large. And to your point, Jerry, the people that are coming into our marketplace that UVA is bringing, by the way, right? I mean, they're the, they're the heartbeat of this. I, I don't see values going 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 backwards. Um, Bill McChesney says, I think the people on the planning commission are exhausted with this and are passing it on to city council oh. to finish. So, great comment. That is usually the fear that I have with stuff like this. I had a 20-minute conversation with Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg on Wednesday afternoon and the 6 o'clock hour. I think Rory Stolzenberg, um, respectfully, Mr. McChesney, still has very much a zest for um, what he is doing. So I've been doing Enjoy this. that conversation, Mr. Stolzenberg. I've been doing Thank you for the insight. I've been doing this for over three and a half decades. And uh, Neil will, will either support me or not on this. But you get to the saturation point at the, at the point that, and that's when mistakes are made. And we're at the, we're really at the key juncture of this right now, right? Because up until last night, we really didn't hear from the public. There was all this you know, back and forth and different groups talking and signs going in and people doing whatever they were doing. But to sit in front of a, of a microphone and talk for two minutes or Zoom for two minutes, this was the first time we've heard this. And I'm probably talking myself out of, of losing this. I'm talking myself into losing this bet. Um, so this was the first public comment that the decision makers got to hear was last night. In a full dais. I'm sorry. Michael uh, Buchensky, who's in the real estate game, yeah. First Heritage Mortgage, he says he respectfully disagrees with you, Keith. Cool. He says Charlottesville City is losing people due to the increase in crime, homelessness, and, and the fact that they do not have a plan to solve it. He knows several people looking to move out of the area due to these factors. I've got three clients doing the same thing. Maggie Gunnels emphasized the same. Josh Tracy has emphasized the same. So the question was not who's moving in and moving out. The question was, is will values go down? Deep Throat says the lack of coordination between the city and county has been a major point of concern for the draft zoning ordinance. And he believes 
The Charlottesville impact of the draft zoning ordinance is land values will go up, but single-family housing structure values will go down. And he predicts that in Almaro County, both land values and uh, single-family housing structures will go up and go up dramatically. So only time will tell, and we will track this. As long as people will listen to me, we will keep on tracking and we'll keep on doing it. My crystal ball is telling me that I, I just I don't see values going down in the short term. They may go down in the long term when actually structures start going up, right? You know, I mean, apartment structures going up. I mean, I, I'll cut to the chase. I but you're gonna, what you're going to see, Jerry, what you're I wouldn't see. want an apartment next to my house. Yeah, and and my opinion is I wouldn't care one way. Or the I would other. want to, You would you would not care if an apartment complex is next to your house, but even though you live in a gated community yeah, where yeah. that will never happen. Yeah, but I also lived in an apartment, so in, in the middle of a city, right? But yeah, so I, I I just don't I just don't see it. But we will we will find we will find out. Uh, Neil Williamson says to be fair, this was this was uh, far from the first public engagement on this issue. I understand that, but it was the first public hearing. It was the first. Unless I'm missing something, Neil. I believe this was the first public hearing. Neil, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I do not believe it's the first. Uh, I think it was the first public hearing. I, I don't think. I also want to emphasize this. If you're a homeowner and you don't want an apartment complex on your street or next door, there's nothing wrong with that. Without doubt. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and doubt. for someone to paint a homeowner as a villain or as an evil person because they don't want an apartment complex on their street or next door or the block over is wrong. It's wrong. Absolutely. Uh, hands down wrong. It's hands wrong. down wrong. Yeah. Just make an argument. It's don't wrong. get personal. You know, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's right for this reason or that reason. Don't point fingers. What is our three rules here, right? No divisive politics, no pointing fingers at other people and having fun. That is definitively pointing fingers at other people. They believe that for a reason, and you have to respect that. Yeah. And, and, and yelling at somebody. I mean, I had this experience in this. was the opposite experience in Greene County, right? It was the opposite. It was a small group of people that didn't want a development approved, screaming and yelling. Excuse me. It was a group of people. It was only 17. Screaming and yelling at five to six people that wanted it. Right? And it was just abusive on that end. So it was a flip, the flip of what, what happened here in, in, in Charlottesville. You know, it's just, where's the civility? Let's be, you know, this is all very complicated stuff. You know, the people that want this... And, and I'm pro-housing. The people that want this have to respect, you know, Keith and Yona or whoever has been living on the street for 50 years. You have to respect that, right? Now, you have to respect their opinions. You have to respect their feelings on it. Now, to call somebody a name or blow a whistle at them when they're trying to speak <coughs> is flat-out wrong. I, I, I concur. Flat-out wrong. They should have been removed from the room, by the way. In my opinion. I mean, but, multiple people are asking you to paint what happened and, and with what you're talking about with the dog whistles. Yeah, just people were blowing whistles when people were trying to speak. That's all. To, to, or clapping or, or whatever. You just go back and watch it. It was a circus. I don't think it was a It didn't go up to the level of circus because I've seen. I thought that was a circus. I yeah. thought that was a little out of control. Uh, well, 
So my, my, uh, my being in meetings, right, I had people threaten to kill me publicly, right? <laughs> Literally. Literally. Threaten to kill me. All right, well, that did not happen, thank goodness. Yeah. So I've had people threaten my family, my children. So, so to me, that's a circus. This was a little bit uh, passionate. I think Missy did a really good job, the best that she could. I think the chairperson, if I was chairperson, I would have jumped up a little bit more and had certain people either ask them to be removed or please don't do that. Um, deep throw for you specifically. The covenant and restrictions thing is interesting. I have an entire memo on it from the Woods Rogers Law Firm. Cool. They said, go ahead and sign it, even if you have a mortgage. Sure, your bank could successfully move to invalidate it, but if you are signing, you are doing so because you have no intention of developing. But once you sell to someone else, the covenant is locked in. The new buyer and his bank had noticed, and now they are both bound by it. It'll become a title problem when you go to sell. That's, that's what... It, I'm, I'm, we should get Bill Tucker on about that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, with all due respect to the good professor... Um, no, it's not the professor. Oh, okay, it's got not it. Professor. So, so all good due respect to whoever's saying that, um, that is just bad advice. Well, it's a to, advice from a HOA attorney. That doesn't mean it's right. It is just bad advice. Okay. Go try to sell the house and try to get a clear title on that. Uh, Woody Fincham, there's nothing wrong with not wanting something in their neighborhood, but you cannot live in a dense urban area and pretend that you live in a suburban or rural area. Which many people said. Dense areas require an unofficial social contract among the neighbors. If your neighborhood is, is involved, is evolving beyond what you like, perhaps you should find a community where you better fit in. Things change. It's the neighborhood life cycle. You cannot stop time from happening. So I'll I, push back a little so, bit on that on Woody and how I'll push back on that is when someone buys a house in the city of Charlottesville and they see that 52% of the city is single-family housing zone, R1, which it is. One, it? No, it's a 52%, 53% um, is zoned R1. When you buy that house, you don't expect the zoning to change. Well, it's because most... I will tell you, I've, I've, I've ran across situations before where we're selling pieces of property to people, for people that are, let's say, in Fulvana County or whatever, and they, they buy it and never took the time to read their covenants and restrictions. So when we're going to list a home, the first thing we're going to do is make sure that we got a copy of their covenants and restrictions. We know what's, what they can do, what they can't do on that end of it to go ahead and do this. Like, for instance, I can't have chickens or, or whatever kind of thing on it. You know, look, the re, the re, I would like to ask Mike, the lender. Um, Mike Puchanski is watching the program. Yeah. Lonnie so, Murray does say this to you, and Lonnie Murray says this to Woody Fincham. One person's nimbyism is another person's engaged and involved neighbor. Do yeah. we not want more Charlottesville residents involved in decisions that affect their neighborhoods? So what has happened, that term has just become a, a negative term, right? But... Look, and it was, it was probably said intently. But let me go back and ask Mike this question. Because um, he writes a ton of loans, right? He understands this process better than anybody. He's watching right now. Mike Buchanski, this anybody, is for you. Anybody. Uh, but if I have a 
seller, a buyer who's going, working with him, who's going to buy a piece of property that has a deed restriction on it that has not been approved by the lender, what does that do to the loan process? Does that, pop, does that all of a sudden impede my ability to buy that home? And I may be 100% wrong, and, and, and maybe it doesn't. Um, but it's always, my experience has been that, you know, if a deed, you know, the, the lender, I cannot believe that the lender uh, doesn't have some sort of buy-in on that. I may be wrong. Uh, Mike, Mike Wachensky, what is your take on that? So does, the question is, if the lender does not sign off on a deed. He says, give me a deed restriction example, Keith. Well, I'm, what I'm talking about right now is, is the deed restriction, it's just changing an existing deed. So if I had a home that had no deed restriction that you can't build, that, that piece of property can't be um, turned into a multifamily or, or have a duplex put on it or whatever. I'm assuming that's what the deed restrictions we're talking about at this point. And it has not been approved by the lender. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe because it's more restrictive or less restrictive, maybe it, maybe the lender doesn't have to get a say in it. It's just always been That's a rule. That's Deep Throat's point. Yeah, and I, he may be right, and I may be wrong. Uh, but we're I mean, gonna, I can't tell you that he spent. Yeah, I get it. Six figures on this. Got it. Well, then I would be wrong then. Yeah. But I, I, I cannot believe that a like legitimately. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll ex Bill Tucker and we'll ex the title people and say, okay. Can, we, can this be done without approving the lender, approval of the lender? Um, the, 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 let me ask Mike a different question. Um, he's watching. Um, so in your loan documents, does it allow the, let the borrower to amend the deed post-closing without letting them know the deed of conveyance? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a deed that's conveying with the property. So maybe I'm asking it not 100% correctly, but I think he'll pick up on it enough that is there some sort of document? So for instance, there's a provision in it that you have to, uh, certain loans, that it has to be your primary residence for a certain period of time. He so, has these comments. I'm not sure these comments are what um, I'm is asking. answering, yeah, is what Keith is asking. Uh, Michael Buchensky says a lender would not want their asset changed, so single family to multi-unit would be an issue yeah. unless we approved a construction loan to revise the property. I think specifically what Keith is asking this. Oh, he says, no, Keith, that would be a title issue, and the loan in theory could be called due. That's exactly right. That's, yeah. that's, that's the point I'm trying to get this at. This is what he specifically is asking, Michael. I'm going to try to ask this question very succinctly. So you understand, Keith. Thank yeah. you. Uh, a single family house that creates uh, a single family house that has a mortgage on it that puts covenants and restrictions on what it can be, preventing it from getting multifamily or more debts. That's what he's saying. If someone owns a home, they have an active mortgage, and then they initiate covenants and restrictions on their house, preventing any development to said house. And where Deep Throat might be right, and I may be wrong, is because you're keeping it. That's his point. You're That's keep, the lawyer's yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're keeping it as a single family house, which is what the loan agreed to. Correct. So when you took the loan with the bank, but what you promised that it would be a single family house. And the covenant and restriction is furthering that promise that it would stay a single family house. But I think 
that any amendment to the covenants and restrictions where they lent, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's the question I'm trying to ask Mike, is, you know, if you change it at all, regardless, if you make it more restrictive or less restrictive. Michael Buchensky says Deep Throat is correct. Got it. Cool. Well, then I'm wrong. I apologize, Deep Throat. Yeah. The loan would not be called due. If we're making it more restrictive. You're, you're, you're creating more restrictions for it, it to more, be a single-family house. We're making it more Which is what you agreed to with the lender. Mm -hmm. And that's what he literally is saying. Well, look at that. It took, it took almost 11.30 for me to learn that, so thank you. Yeah. yeah my, and, I, and the only reason I know that Deep Throat is right is because I know how much he spent yeah. to get that answer. I, I've spent a lot of money with attorneys that attorneys were wrong. So I, I, the, 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 spend I don't the money the impression that this guy is often wrong. Yeah, well... Well, we shall see how that works. Um, Buchensky, any more insight into that? Uh, Coach B, you're making the program better, dude. Buchensky, First Heritage, you're making the so program to be, better. So to be clear from, from Coach's perspective. And he works First Heritage Mortgage. I got it. Yeah, he's been in business 23 years. I got it. So from his perspective, if I write a loan today with him and close it today with him, and next week I put a deed restriction on there that prevents my property from being divided any more than one single family detached home, I do not need to notify uh, my lender. My lender does not get a buy-in on that. If the answer is yes, then I'm wrong. It, I, but I've always been taught every time you change your deed, no matter what, and you need to notify. Literally what Deep Throat said is what Buchensky is now okay, cool. confirming. Cool. The real truth is after the loan closes, the lender does not follow up a year does not follow up yeah. a year after, make sure it's still as is. As long as the payments remain on time, it will never be investigated. So the question then... And the that's what he said. Oh, yeah, you know, I, 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 Jerry, I'm wrong. All the loan... Apparently, cares, I owe you two bottles. All, all the firm. mortgage broker, all the financing cares about is getting their effing money. Well, that's... That's people. all I care about. That's what most people... Buchetsky so says you're supposed to let the lender know yes, but no one does, yeah, and we, right. don't, we don't care. Yeah, but it, it, will it matter when he goes to sell it? Follow up from Deep Throat. You guys are making the show better. This is literally the intent of what we created this network to be, where we are the water cooler of conversation, and we have legitimately, and I have to respect the man's anonymity, significant expert here, and then Buchensky is a significant expert, 23 years in the business, Keith's an expert too, we're all having a conversation in front of a boatload of cameras on a microphone. And, and what's more important... We have difference of opinions. We're learning. Smith is learning, right? And we're, we're seeing different, we're, we're viewing, we started this conversation uh, with a different view. So Buchensky is clearing things up. We do care and it is required, but lenders cannot police it. Yeah, yeah. They cannot I think it only it. matters when you go to sell it. That's where I think it comes, it pops its head back up. Deep Throat says this. And then they won't, let me, let me finish this train of thought. Then the lender won't care because they're getting paid off anyway, Right. He said, Deep Throat says this, I did all the work on the mortgage angle with the lawyers and paid for all the work to protect us with the lawyers. Thank you. And then I did the title work for 28 participants. So he's been the lead on 28 participants doing this in the city. And not a single one of them had an active mortgage on their house. Yeah, so it's all cash. So, so he said, I did all this homework on all this, you know what? Shit. And not a single one of them had an active mortgage on their house. That probably so would've. that tells you... That probably would have been a good question. So that answer. tells you something about the neighborhood that he's done yeah. this in. Yeah, 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 yeah. What does that tell you? That, 
And so... What does that tell you about the neighborhood? So that tells me that it's white, it's affluent, right? And they have the ability to do that. And if that's the case, there's all this conversation we just had went out the window, right? Because it's cash. It doesn't matter. But Puchensky just, compared, just confirmed he's in the well, mortgage business. I, I, I as long understand. as the money comes, it really... If you sign a document that says you're supposed to notify them and you don't, that's up to you. I, I will. I'll offer some firsthand perspective. If you sign a legal document that is notarized and you agree to notify them when you change your thing and you don't, then that's on you. I bought a home before the current home I'm in. I bought a home with, a, with my girlfriend at the time. I bought a home with my girlfriend at the time. And we were both on the paper. I was born married. And we were both on the mortgage. Mm -hmm. The relationship did not work out. I lump summed her a payment yeah. to take over ownership of the home. Which she should have been taken off the deed. I took went. control of the deed. Yeah, yeah. And then an attorney created a mechanism that distanced her from the mortgage. Sure. But we never let the mortgage company know. And the mortgage company to give a rat's ass. Yeah, and, and look, you know, from a from a practical perspective, um, you're right. All they cared about was the payment coming to on the first. I, I get that, and all they care about is that the back end of it is is that it gets paid off. But when you and it did when you At sign closing. when you sign a document that says. You will notify us if you change everything. And Michael Buchensky, I, I totally get what you're saying here, and he's got to cover his tail. He, he knows it's a very well-watched show. To be clear, they are required to let the lender know if they do not, it is a callable offense, potentially. So, so the risk that you take, let, let me clarify this a little bit. Yeah. From a practical perspective, nobody gives a shit. Right. But, but... Mike's a pro. Well, Mike's covering his tail. I'm a pro. Yeah. All our sponsors are pros. The advice has to be, you've signed a document stating that you will tell them. If you choose to do it or not, that's on you. But, you know, you do need to say that because, you know, let's say you do this and because... It's, Woody Fincham says the time that this would impact is at foreclosure. Well, well, the they will they will care in a foreclosure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such such action creates extra liability yeah. and could be seen as criminal. Yeah. Sarah Hill Buchinski says but, if the mortgage went, Sarah's Mike's better half. She's coming to better seven eight. She says if the mortgage went into default, it might have an issue. So Correct. they're both highlighting. The well, that that would be nature. that would be criminal, right? Yeah. That's a whole different path on it. But at the end of the day, morally, you signed a document saying that if you're going to change the the thing you're supposed to notify them. They also, as also in that and, document. And, and what, ha what happens here is, you know, you piss off your next door neighbor. It, all this stuff is public record. It's not that difficult to figure out who you owe money to. And, yeah, I drop and a all, dime. And, and drop a dime. And but then, then, then your next door neighbor is going to have to know who your mortgage is with. Well, and the mortgage easy. gets sold multiple yeah, times. That is true. That is true. That's not as easy to figure out who the mortgage is. That is true, but it can be done. And then, and then you would also, and you, another thing that, let's cut to the chase, when you enter into a contract or you initiate a, a financing mechanism or vehicle, a mortgage, there's language in there that says you're not going to rent out your home. For the first uh, 60 days, 90 days, you have to. And that was being done. 
Well, we learned on this talk show. And we, you learned it on this. We talk learned show. on it, and yeah. we fixed it, right? Yeah. And we we called complimentary seller possession, and we called was, that was happening all over t- by realtors all was, over town, which was illegal, which yeah. was wrong. But the but the realtors were suggesting to do that. Well, then I think I think back to your influence of what you and I talk about, or, or the, the network. Oh, I think we changed what Carr was doing. It changed it dramatically. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, what we talked about with complimentary seller possession it, then yeah. became emphasized in the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. It the people that's called that, influence. The people that watched the show realized, oh shucks, we can't do this because it was commonplace. Oh, by the way, once if and once and Mike, what's your crystal ball on interest rates? Um, middle of next year but once we get to that five or six range at some point we'll i get mean zillow it. says they have to be between five and five point yeah. five but we're going to get there sometime i think in 24 when is the crystal ball thing on it and it depends on what powell's going to do here in the next next two rate rate meetings on that end of it but at some point it'll happen right if it's 12 months 24 months at some point it, it, it what goes up comes down what, what goes down comes up right um then that craziness is going to happen again that's the Friday edition of the I Love Seville show, boys. Um, Real talk with Keith Smith. Oh, yeah. Real talk with <laughs> Keith Smith. Sorry. The I Love Seville show is at 1230. That's the Friday edition of Real Talk with Keith Smith. The show in its totality is archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Today's show was in fuego. I did not get to 60% of the comments on the show today. Um, easily 60% of the comments. So thank you, everybody, right? That's what you and I did today is what? I love about what we do, right? We, we you know, we, we battled and talked about a topic. I don't think it was a we battled. No, okay, wrong choice of words. Yeah, uh, we, we hosted just, a talk show. We did, <laughs> we hosted a talk show. Oh, we talked. We, we didn't gonna, just have kumbaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, that I, drove obscene engagement that I, we didn't get to. And, and I'm just trying to give everybody's kudos that you know maybe we saw a little bit differently when we started it off, but at the end of it, through the feed. And the people turn out, you know, I, I changed my opinion on a couple of things, which is great. Um, but look, let's go out. And be, we kind of started on this on the 9-11 show. Let's be kind to one another, right? You know, blowing whistles at people and calling people names that, regardless if they're not an um, official bad word, you know, it was done with intent. Don't do that. Just pe- treat people with respect. They have their opinions. They believe what they believe wholeheartedly. They may be different than what you believe, but then just have a conversation, right? Have a talk show about it. And uh, so thank you for everybody watching. Please support our partners on Real Talk with, with Keith Smith, the partner tab. Without them, we wouldn't be doing this. So thank you, thank you, and thank you again. And uh, thank you to you, Jerry, for... For hanging in. I met with I said on that card, by the way. Oh, thank you. Just gave me a handwritten card this morning. It was very nice. Keith is a very uh, nice individual. Uh, yes Realty Partners, Keith and Jonas Smith. That's their firm, yesrealtypartners.com. If you need to buy or sell a house, Yes Realty Partners are a great choice to get you to the closing table. The show is archived in totality on realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. The I Love Seville show is up in, well, 45 minutes. We Inventory's ran, picking up, folks. We get ran out extremely there. long today. Um, the show is up in 49, 47 minutes, so Jude and I need to get to work. Um, thank you kindly for joining us on the network that is driving the community forward. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Jerry.